0: My name is Mark, in case we have not met. I'm the worship pastor here at The Ridge. And we are going through uh, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs right now. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. That's where we're going to be today. We're rounding the corner, getting to the end. in Proverbs, the way it's sectioned out is there's like this intro, the first nine chapters. They are meant to convince you to keep reading, because wisdom is there. You can find wisdom there. But there's this personified, uh, there's this character, Okay. Lady Wisdom, and she is meant to illustrate this reality that is in the world, which is wisdom that you can't see, and she's talking to us. This is something that is, is trying to draw us in to God's wise ways. So we're going to jump right in and look at, I think, we're going to look at the whole chapter 8, but I think there's three things that really come out of this that I want to I try to draw out if, if i got time. <laughs> it is the availability of wisdom, that wisdom is available to us that wisdom is desirable, something you want, and also recognizable. Wisdom's available, desirable, and recognizable. Let's go ahead, verse one says, "'Does not wisdom call, does not understanding "'raise her voice on the heights beside the way? "'At the crossroads she takes her stand, "'beside the gates, in front of the town, "'at the entrance, at the portals she cries aloud, "'To you, O men, I call, "'and my cry is to the children of men. So here we've got an introduction. Lady Wisdom is being introduced to us. The children of men is who she calls to, and she's calling loudly. Children of men, That Hebrew word is Adam, which just means humanity. If you are a child of a human, it's you. And she cries at the crossroads loudly. Crossroads where you make decisions, left or right, right, and at the city gates, come or go. So what does it mean to say wisdom is calling you loudly at the point of decision making? Wisdom is seeking you. Write this down. Wisdom is seeking you. Now we are told to seek wisdom, but did you know that wisdom is seeking you? She isn't hiding from you. She's not on the other side of a better education or on the other side of some more life experience necessarily. Everybody. She's calling everybody. Now, why might you not hear someone who is calling loudly to you? Well, one of two reasons I could think of was that maybe uh, you're listening to something else or you're ignoring that person. So let's, let's, let's keep reading. So what does wisdom call when she calls out? It says in verse four, to you, O men, I call, my cries to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Notice she calls the simple ones, the naive ones, the ones that don't know much yet, young, fools also. So if you've been living foolishly, rejecting wisdom, she is still calling to you. Even if you've been like, ah, you know, and you think, oh, I know the right way. And wisdom's still calling to you. It's not just the people who have already been making wise choices. But did you hear what she called? She said, listen, hear me, come learn. And it's important to know what she's calling because she's not calling out, telling you loudly at the point of decision making whether to go left or right. She's not calling you and telling you what to do. She's telling you, come figure out what to do with me. I think that's, that's, that's important for us to, to at least you know, reflect on for a moment, because what I want to know is right now how to make the decision. I don't want to take any time <laughs> to figure it out. But wisdom says, come, come here, come listen to me and I'll teach you i want you to learn prudence i want you to learn how to make good decisions and choices and that takes some time it takes some time to do that to stop make some space carve it out in your life not be so busy maybe not just be constantly filling your head with something but actually have some some quiet and to try to listen and seek wisdom while she's seeking you because she's available have you ever tried to talk to someone who's really busy like for me when i'm trying to make a dinner at my house and I want everything to come out. I always actually want everything to come out at just the right time. Everything hot on the table at once. I hate eating stuff that's supposed to be hot and it's cold. It makes me so frustrated, especially if I made it. So at the last five minutes, when I'm trying to pull all that together, if anybody comes in, To the kitchen and tries to talk to me while i'm trying to make sure this doesn't burn and that comes out of the oven right and that doesn't boil over right at the last minute i don't care how loud you are i'm not going to hear you (laughs) i'm just not my mind they're like mark the house is burning down we have to get out of here i'm like okay fine as soon as i get this out of the oven we can run out (laughs) like i just am not listening you know because i'm too busy i'm too busy to listen too occupied are we too busy to listen to this one who's calling out to us Wisdom, who's calling out to us. I think we should write this down next to this spot where it says that she's calling out to us. If you've got a pen. If we're too busy to ask what would wisdom tell us to do, then we probably won't find out. But if you can create some space, open up some time in your life, you know, some silence, and ask yourself the question, what would wisdom say I should do? About this conflict that I'm in. About this thing that keeps me up at night. About this thing i think about first thing in the morning when i wake up right about this uh, it's kind of got me twisted up in knots what what would wisdom tell me to do and you know sometimes we we we, we, we try to figure out what to do because we're like well what's i don't want to do the wrong thing so is that wrong this is kind of what i want to do but is that wrong and i don't i think it would be better to ask what what's the wise thing to do than what's the right or wrong thing to, i mean Listen, you need to be committed to doing what is the right thing to do first. But not everything is a right or wrong question, right? Like, what, what college should I go to? Should, should I date that person? You know, should we move here? Should we sell the house? You know, when do we start having kids? Like, there's a lot of questions where there's not a necessarily, like, obvious right moral answer, but there's probably a wise one. And you can probably figure it out. And, you know, we also have a remarkable ability to justify what we want to do because, you know. There's a, there's a good chance that what you want to do isn't wrong, but also might not be wise. Because when we just base our, our, our decision making on what isn't wrong, you know, well, it isn't wrong, so it must be right, right? That's why seeking wisdom is actually so much more clarifying. Because it's easy to say, well, I guess it's right as long as it's not wrong. But listen, some things are wrong and not wise. Some things are, sorry, not wrong and also not wise that make sense sometimes there's an option well it's not wrong but it wouldn't be wise to do it either so ask yourself what's the wise question and then seek it out when making decisions don't ask is it wrong ask is it wise and then try to take some time to listen because here's the thing proverbs 14 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is in death it seems right but it ends in death and wisdom said, I speak noble things. From my lips come what is right, not wicked. I won't lead you down to the wicked path or the twisted path. So she's, she's available to us. She's calling out to us. We need to make some space to listen. Next thing, she's desirable. She wants us to know this. This is so important. And this is where I'm going to get in trouble with my time because I'm going to talk forever about it. <laughs> Verse 8 says this. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. And knowledge rather than choice, gold for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her." Now wisdom is saying that if you choose her way, if you make wise choices, you start stepping into finding out what the wise choice is, it will end up being the right choice. He says, that's where righteousness is. I lead you to righteousness. Out of my mouth are things that are righteous. Even if there seems to be no obvious right or wrong option, she's going to lead you there. She won't lead you in twisted, crooked places, she says. But not only is wisdom what's going to lead you to what's right, it'll also bring you delight. Wisdom's not just right. It will bring you delight, okay? Wisdom says you're going to love things my way. You're going to like the wise way. You'll enjoy your life more if you live it with Lady Wisdom. Enjoy your life more. Hear me say that. Because did you see what she said? It's better than gold or silver or anything that you may desire. I'll say it this way. I think what she's saying is, I want you to be happy. God's wisdom, God saying, "I'd I'd like for you to be happy, actually. Wisdom, write this down. Wisdom will make you happier than wickedness. I want to spend some time on this because happiness, I think, is kind of tricky, especially when you're someone who wants to do the right thing, who wants to walk in God's ways. And I think we can get a little confused about it because, listen, I know this. I think you do, too. Sometimes it seems like the things that we want to do to make us happy are things that God doesn't want us to do. Right. I mean, sometimes, right. People will come to you and say, well, I really want to do this. And I'm like, well, I know that you shouldn't. <laughs> Like, but it'll make me happy. You know, my kids, sometimes one of the best arguments, I love it when my kids come up and they, they say, dad, I'd like you to buy me this thing. I'm like, why? Why? Because I want it. <laughs> well, I didn't think you did it. <laughs> I figured that's why you asked me. I'm, well, here, and here's another example. You know, in chapter seven, you know, the adulterous woman, do you remember this character? The adulterous, the lady folly. She's trying to invite us into the foolish way. She's calling and she says, come to me. Enjoy yourself. Come be happy with me. I mean, that's why people decide to have an affair, because they think it'll make them happy. No one decides to have an affair because they think it'll make them sad, right? Does anyone say, you know what I would like to do? I'd like to pile up some regret in my life. <laughs> and on the outside, looking into that situation, we can tell it's wrong, right? You can tell it's, it's so obvious. And then it becomes really obvious to us, that, well, obviously, like, I, do I think this will make me happy is not the only question you should ask when you're deciding something. You shouldn't just be like, well, will this make me happy? And then be done there. But hold on. On the other hand, does God want you to be unhappy? No. Does he want you to be sad? No. So that's, a, that almost feels like a little bit of attention to me. Because I, there's things I want to do to make me happy. And God's like, don't do that, some of that stuff. And, and I, but then it's also like God does want me to be happy. I mean, I think so. He doesn't want me to be sad. So here's, I think how we try to te- fix the tension is we end up pitting against each other what is right and what we want. What will make us happy versus what the right thing to do is. We make him like enemies. But what? And then we, and we say, well, yes, and you'll, and you'll experience joy when you do the right thing. But what does it feel like to have joy? Does it feel like sadness? Or does it feel like happiness? See, and, and I, I, for me, I start to get lost in all the terminology and like, what's the right word to use for this? And it feels like it's just disconnected from the life I actually live. Because at the end of the day, you know what I want? I just don't want to be miserable. <laughs> you know, don't you? I still want to have a miserable life that I hate. And that's why this passage is actually so helpful for us, because look what she says. She says God's way is better than any of the ways that we seek to satisfy ourselves, better than jewels and better than anything that you might desire, anything that you might think that you want. Because listen, God's way is not a way that you're going like, to feel like, oh gosh, I got to do it God's way, but at least I don't go to hell. Listen, Psalm 119, <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 119.35 says, the path of your commands, lead me in it because Because what? Can somebody read it? I delight delight in it. You know what that word delight means? It's like happy. It feels good. I like this. So here's where we go wrong. Okay, here's where we go wrong. We think we know how to make ourselves happy, but we don't. Now, we do know what it feels like to be happy when you enjoy something. That's it Uh, to enjoy something and feel the pleasure of enjoying anything at all. That's just like a neutral God. God, that's not even neutral. It's good. God wanted you to be able to enjoy good things, but we don't know how to get that enjoyment except for in small, little incremental moments, just moments at a time, and usually in ways that we are ashamed of and embarrassed of later. Listen, the Bible is not saying that the experience want, God wants for you is this foreign experience that, you've, that, that you don't know how to want. It's listen. <laughs> It's just saying that you don't know how to get happiness in ways that'll actually work. Yes, God would like you to be happy. He'd like you to enjoy your life. But he knows that oftentimes we think what will make us happy will end up leaving us with shame and regret or at the very least confused and disillusioned. Let me give you some examples from my life because I am very foolish often. Um, So (laughs) there there was a point in my life where for many years I was a touring musician. And that was like the career I was going for. I was traveling around, I was in a band. And I just felt like, it seemed to me, this is the career I was made for. This is what I was meant to do with my life. And it was the only way I was gonna be happy is pursuing that career. It was the only way I could be satisfied. But on the other hand, I also wanted to be a present and available father and husband. And all the voices around me actually said, you know, you actually gotta pick. If you're gonna have one, you gotta pick. You can't have them both. And I believed those voices. They said, if you want this career, you have to sacrifice your children. And my friends, just a side note, you, there are more than one way, there's more than one way to sacrifice your children on the altar of an idol. They can be alive and you can have sacrificed them to an idol. But you see, when I tried to find out how to be happy on my own, in my, on my own steam, with my own ingenuity, and in my own figuring, I ended up making myself miserable because I'm either like succeeding at my career and failing with my family or, or succeeding with my family and failing with my career, always feeling like a failure. I, was, I couldn't figure that out. And I, and I realized very quickly, not quickly enough, actually. <laughs> probably should have been quicker. That I don't know how to make me happy. I don't know how to get what I want. Here's another way. You know, I had always heard that the best artists and songwriters, they're the people that are the most miserable because they know how to connect, you know, to, to like sorrow and pain. And everybody loves sad songs, you know. Everybody just loves to like wallow in their sadness when they're bummed for a little while. And so here's what I thought. I was like, oh, I get it now. I need to just make myself miserable and a wreck of my life. <laughs> I didn't make a wreck out of my life. And then finally, but can you see the nonsense? I'm sure you can. You're laughing at me. Listen, in order to have the career that I believe that would make me happy, I had to make sure I was never happy. It's it's so smart, it's brilliant and (laughs) stupid too. Like the dog who returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Now, I'm sure that you have never been as stupid as I have. But I bet, I bet you've had some things where you thought, that'll make me happy. And then you do it and later you're like, oh no, I wish I'd never done that. Because Amen. Amen. maybe for a second, right? And that's what verse 10 through 11 is trying to tell us with God's wisdom, his ways. It says, take instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. Wisdom better than jewels. Trying to just go to the ends of language like, all that you may desire can't compare with her. I think you should write this down. God knows how to make you happy. You don't. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's right. <laughs> because listen, you can have all the gold and all the jewels in the world, and you can seek every desirous whim that pops up in you and then not have a life you desire. You can go do everything that you think you want to do and not like the life that builds for you and hate your life. And you know what? That's going to make you want to keep following those whims and keep ruining your life. And it's an addiction cycle. That's how addiction cycles actually work. You can be addicted to more than drugs and alcohol. You can be addicted to stupid stuff. Just being stupid. <laughs> That's a little harsh, Sorry. Now, C.S. Lewis talked about this. He talked about this in The Way to Glory. He says, He says this if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, well, then I submit to you this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, Well, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Oh, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Wisdom is saying, oh, how precious, you think you know how to make you happy. I know you don't. And this is important for us to really let sink in because if you think that God doesn't care whether you enjoy your life or not, you're not going to be able to do the right thing for very long. You can't live like that. What's going to end up happening is you're, you're, it's, it's going to just break down and you're just going to say, fine, I'll just go do this thing and then God will forgive me for it anyway. Or you'll just give up on the whole thing altogether. Who wants to be with a God who doesn't, want to, you know, doesn't care about me? You know, that's, that's the way it's gonna end up being for us. That's, that's what a lot of people end up doing when they hear that God just doesn't care whether you like your life or not. Or you know what? You, you might have another strategy. If you don't think that God cares about whether you enjoy your life, you can just really like sort of buckle down and just think, well, at least I know I'm better than those people. <laughs> but you know what that does? That pride and arrogance that actually takes all of the benefits out of it because that's like against the point. God doesn't want you to do the right thing so you can try to feel better than other people and look down on them. It's because he wants you to enjoy the life that he has for you. He doesn't want you to keep ruining it. He doesn't want me to keep ruining it. God's wisdom will lead me and you in the way of living that's more satisfying, more pleasing, more often than any other way we might come up with on our own. And I gotta really wrap this up. The last thing I wanna look at is the recognizable aspect of wisdom. Look at verse 12. She says... She says, and I want you to notice as we go through who who she says she's with. She says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil and pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate those. I have counsel. I have counsel, wisdom says, and sound wisdom. I have insight and strength. By me, kings reign, rulers decree what's just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And my yield is better than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. She just gave you a list. I'm not going to go through all the details. I was going to, but I'm out of time. But Here's the thing. When you see things like good strategy, And wise decision-making, that's where she is. Good king's ruling, that's where she is. She's doing that. That's her woven into the world. She's not with pride and arrogance. Let's go on, verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth where there were no springs abounding with water before the mountains had sh- been shaped, before the hills brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there, drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit so the waters would, might, might not transgress his command, he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of men. That's a lot to read, but really what it's saying is wisdom's woven into this world all around you, and you can see it in the way the world works. You gotta, you gotta look. But real quick, I just wanna say, there's a couple Hebrew words in here that doesn't, they don't quite come through in the translation. The word, I was brought forth, It means to dance. When it says wisdom was brought forth at the beginning, it means to dance or twirl, like a little girl being twirled twirled by her dad in a dance. Is that interesting? And then this word word word, uh, rejoicing rejoicing in the creation and the children of men. That means to celebrate, to laugh and to play, like laughing, like (laughs) ha, you know, like. uh, Sorry, (laughs) I'm like trying to make the. It's like it's like this like celebratory thing. The picture being painted here is that the world was spun into a happy, playful dancing celebration with laughter and delight It was not a solemn occasion. So question, do you visualize wisdom or a wise person as this like unfeeling stoic person unmoved? Wisdom doesn't say she's like that. Wisdom is not like that. Actually just because wisdom doesn't do anything wrong. Doesn't mean wisdom doesn't have any fun. Maybe we just learn need to learn how to have fun without being bad. Because we'll say, I'm going to have a little fun, you know, like, what does that mean? Enjoyment, laughter, dancing, playing. This is wisdom woven into the world you live in. That's what God wants. That's what God's like. That's what God made. And if we don't know how to recognize wisdom, then we're going to look in places where she is not we're going to ignore her when we see her. At the very end, she wraps up and she says in verse 32, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I just want to say again, she's reiterating, listen, come on, listen for me. Because blessed are you who walk in my way. That word blessed, it means happy. It's just another translation of the word happy. Happier are those who walk in my ways. You'll find life which is flourishing. That word life is, is also used to describe like fresh flowing water and like green lush vegetation and favor from the Lord, pleasure and delight from God. But then it says, it says, whoever doesn't find me will hurt themselves. And whoever hates me loves death. Loves death. Who could love death? You know, I thought about that for a while. I thought, man, is that just some sort of like, you know, creative way to say, I mean, I think it kind of is, but you know, I think it's a little more literal than I realized. Because, you know, I think the more you avoid wisdom, what it's trying to say is the more you avoid wisdom, the less you'll actually want it. The more you avoid doing the wise thing or seeking out the wise thing, the less you'll, the less desirable it'll seem to you. Let's go ahead and write that down. The more you avoid wisdom, the less you'll want it. So she's trying to draw you in, but she's also, this is a bit of a warning here at the end, don't you think? Because listen, you know, if you tell a lie, yeah, lying is wrong, but it's also really foolish. And then the wise thing to do after you've told a lie would be to confess it. Ooh, but it's a little harder to do the right thing. The wise thing, once you've done the you avoided the wise thing. Because at the beginning, it would be wise to just not lie, <laughs> right? But then you get yourself into a situation where you've done something foolish, and it's like, oh, no, I've got to confess that I did something wrong. So I, was em- I lied because I was embarrassed of how it made me look. And now, gosh, I'm be embarrassed of what that thing made me look like and the fact that I lied. And so you kind of keep creating this fake reality that you've got to prop up and remember how to line it up with the real facts. And you know when you lie to someone that you're trying to be close to, you can't be close to them because what a lie is, is a version of reality that you're putting between the two of you. You're cutting them off from the truth that you have. It's separating by nature. When you don't tell the truth about how you really feel about something or when you lie to somebody, you try to protect your, you're separating yourself. And then you get farther and farther and farther down this path of foolishness and eventually it looks like, you know, I just need to hide and be away from everybody so they don't catch me in my lies and or whatever. You know, you, but you just see what I'm saying? At a certain point, you avoid wisdom long enough and you're like, wisdom looks like it's going to kill me. <laughs> wisdom looks like it's going to be really hard. It's going to be miserable. And you end up loving death. You end up preferring the way that would hurt you more. We end up preferring foolishness. Now, maybe you've come to that point in a situation in your life. Maybe there is something like that in your life where you're like, yeah, I have totally screwed things up and I've walked down this path where I actually, okay, I I can kind of tell what would be the wise choice, but that looks way too hard. So I kind of just want to ignore it. (laughs) Maybe move forward in some other area. Maybe this relationship I blew up. I know I did something wrong in it, but they did too or whatever. I don't know. But, but wisdom just feels like it's going gonna, it's gonna to sting too much. It's going to hurt too much. It doesn't look desirable to me anymore. First of all, the Bible is telling you wisdom does not hurt you. Foolishness does. It's not true that wisdom is going to hurt you. No matter how difficult the wise choice is. I mean, it may hurt you at first, but it leads to life. Because foolishness is going to say to you, feel as good as you can, as quick as you can, as fast as possible, all the time. And wisdom says, no, no, no. I want you to feel as good as you can for as long as you can. Not necessarily as quick as you can. You You know who knew about the situation we were in? Jesus knew about it, right? I mean, he never did anything foolish to make things harder on himself, but he knew that we would be in that situation. You know what it says in the Gospel of John? It actually says this. It says that the light came into the world but people love darkness rather than light why because they'd done things that were wrong their works were evil they lived foolishly for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come into the light lest his work should be exposed isn't it sound like the same thing we're saying and we have a really hard time trusting wisdom once we walk down the path of foolishness too long and so it looks like, well, maybe I can't. I know wisdom's calling out to me. I know that she's saying it'll be great, but gosh, I don't, I don't know if I can handle what it'll cost me. It looks like it's gonna cost too much. And so you know what Jesus did? He showed us how. He stepped into our situation, sympathizing with our weakness, though never contributing to the brokenness here. He stepped down, showing us that there really is life on the other side, of what looks like death to us. Because because of our foolishness, it has made life look like death to you and me. And he says, watch how I do it. He says, look, I'll step into what looks like death to you. And even though I'm doing it in human weakness, just like you, I'm going to get through it by enduring the cross and focusing on the joy. Remember what says that in Hebrews 12? He got through his pain. He got through this difficult thing that he was going through because of the joy. Isn't that what wisdom is saying? Even if it's hard for you to make the wise choice right now, there's joy there. You're going to like it. And Jesus experienced that. God himself said, I know it's hard for you, but I'll do it first. And he trusted the Father, Jesus trusted the Father and said there is joy, who said there is joy on the other side of the pain and what looked like death to us turned into an invincible life. And what looked like failure and defeat to us looked like actually was full and final victory. And so he says, follow me. Follow me to my paths of wisdom. Come and learn from me because I am gentle and lowly of heart. Come. Jesus calls out to us. And you know what Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is wisdom. He is He is wisdom, our wisdom. He says, I promise there's joy and there's a life you're gonna like, you're gonna love it, there's happiness there. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. We all stand. In Ephesians 5, Paul says this. He says, you know, for one, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. And when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If you follow Jesus into his way of wisdom, away from wickedness, then your darkness can become light. Your foolishness can become your testimony and show how good he is. You can witness it like we just sang about. Let's pray.